What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, this is Jackie Russo. Welcome to the Razor Branding Podcast. Today, I am honored to bring Marcel Fontenot on with us, and she's going to talk about what the pandemic pivot has looked like for local news. Marcel, welcome to the show. Having me, it's such a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to have you. And I have to say, you look fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. You were being very kind. I do appreciate that. Um, it's been a journey, to say the least, in figuring out, hmm, do I have to put on real clothes for work now? Or can I be in casual clothes at home? Like, how does that, how does that work? Well, we were talking. I think we found a neutral ground, you know? Not I would say you. In the studio, but not all the way cash yet. You look professional, though. So you might feel casual, but you look put together. Um, I will we were... tell you, there are many days I sit down in that chair and it's like yoga pants on bottom and like blouse news anchor on top. <laughs> but we've Barefoot. seen that. We've seen that in the national news. Was it last week that a guy was on live interview and oh, his girlfriend? His well, on oh, the shower, the girl came out of the bathroom without clothes. Yes, with the towel. And then there was mm-hmm. another a reporter who did a stand-up in her bathroom and her husband was in the shower. Yeah, I haven't had any of that happening at home. My my studio is set up in a very neutral space. You may just see a kid running around a time or two, but other than that, that's it. That's about as risque as going to get here. Over your right video. shoulder. Is that a bathroom over your right shoulder? Because I'm just no, saying. No, the hallway. Okay, good. Because that could <laughs> be bad. that way. <laughs> Well, and I know when my kids were little, they ran around in various stages of clothing. So your yours are middle school age. That could yeah, they're my my. I have a eight year old who's in as he's already told me, mommy, this school year is over, so I'm on my way to third grade. Fact. And then I have a five year old who's on his way to kindergarten. And there are days that we they have stayed in pajamas all day. <laughs> if they have on clothes, it's a good day. Well, and more power to you. You know, I have two high school, two college, so I'm not teaching anybody anything. You are still having to serve as a teacher while working. I am. It's the first couple weeks of this. I hated it. Like I was miserable. I couldn't get a grasp on a schedule for them. You know, it's one thing when you're outside of home and you're going to work, you're torn because you have work responsibilities and life responsibilities. And that's just a natural thing. And then I came home and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to work from home. And I thought, I thought for a split second that it was in some way going to be easier. And it wasn't. It was too much. I was trying to do workouts. I was trying to teach my kids. I was trying to still meet all my news responsibilities, take care of my household. And there was no balance. It was utter chaos. And then finally I was like, okay, you've got to get this together. Like, some things are just going to have to be priority and everything else fall into place. And that's kind of what I did. Like I knew the kids still needed to learn. So and eat I wear, and eat. Yeah. And that's another thing. Um, so I wear my teacher hat. Like we, we have a set number of hours from like nine to noon. Um, they work on school and we do school stuff together and they have lunch and then they get a break. So they get a break from like 1230 to 130, maybe two o'clock, depending on the day. And then they have to do a writing project. Um, I pick a topic. Langston is in the gifted program at J. Wallace James. And so his teacher has sent over just some topics. And so we'll choose one. And they'll write um, for about 30 minutes just on their topic and just to get their brains thinking on another level. And then they go outside um, 
at about three or three thirty. They have a snack. Let's get back to let's not forget the snacks, mom. A lot of eating. A lot of eating. They have a, and they go outside and they jump on the trampoline. They run around. They chase lizards. They talk about slugs. They you know whatever it is that they want to do that day, and that is so they can exert as much energy as possible before I have news time. And then they come in at about four thirty, four fifteen, four thirty. And they get their iPads and they tuck them away in two separate spaces because, you know, siblings. And they are on their iPads while I'm on TV. And then they get a break when 5.30 hits from 5.30 to 6.30, I mean, to 6 o'clock. And then they do it for another 30 minutes and then they're done. So, and they've actually been very good through the process. You know, at first it was a thing to have mommy working from home. And now they're just like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> It's got to be tough for them, though, seeing you on TV, but now TV is your living room. TV is our living room. They are more upset about the things that we've had to move out of the way. Like Gavin has an easel that he'll draw on and he'll write notes on and things for school. And it's now moved from the corner that it's normally in because I have this desk set up, table set up with monitors on it. And he's like, Mommy, I don't like my easel over here. And I'm like, look, son, <laughs> it's just temporary. Just hold on. I know things are not in the right space. But they think it's funny. They'll turn on the television in the living room, and there's a delay over over the air. So what I'm saying here and what they're seeing is five seconds different. And they think it's so funny that well, you said that a couple seconds ago, and now it's just on TV. So that is, like, you know, the coolest thing for them. Um, other than that, they're not phased by mommy. <laughs> they're not phased by TV. They're like, whatever. Um, people, you know, when we're out, they haven't been out much, but when we are out, they'll talk about to them and about them. And they're just kind of like, mommy, can we ever go to a store and people not stop us? And I'm like, look, kid, people stopping us pays the bills. So right. <laughs> so let's, let's just let everybody say hello and let's be polite about it and keep going, okay? Chip and Joanna Gaines talk about that a lot when they do interviews, what it's like to be in Waco for their kids and, mm-hmm. have, you know, and they said, look, this is just part of the life. Yeah. You know? you know, there are some people who will call my, especially my older son, um, by his name. And he's like, how do they know my name? And I'm like, it's a thing, Langston, like, just, just go with it. <laughs> like, just, just let it flow. Just say hello and answer any questions that are asked of you and keep right. it going. Son. Right. Exactly. <laughs> So I know that um, it's not that you had this huge glam squad before, but now you don't have support, right? You're on your own for production. Yeah, I, um, this is it. So we don't, I don't have a glam squad Monday through Friday at the studio anyway. We do hair, makeup and all that ourselves. So I'm doing that at home. Um, But as far as like the technical side, when I'm at the station and something's not right, I pick up the phone and say, hey, can you come by my desk? (laughs) Can you come over and check this out? And there's somebody there, you know, um, or we will write what we call a ticket and put it in the in the system and someone will respond to it. Here at home, luckily, the engineers can tap into our system oh, um, and get in. And I have just this morning had an engineer come by a monitor, one of my monitors that shows our grid and our production back at the station went out Thursday. And um, he came to replace my monitor this morning. They tried, you know, he got in and nothing would work. So he's like, I'll just bring you a new one. So that has been the biggest challenge for me with being away from work. Um, the, the Marcel, you know, this person, I can take care of myself. It's all the other stuff that I need 
you know, the monitors and the IFB with the little piece we wear in our ear so we can hear. Right. Um, the teleprompter, like my cameras and iPad. And for that, I'm familiar with. But the rest of it, I'm just like, just tell me what to do, how to turn it on and off <laughs> so I don't mess anything up and let's get it done. So when something happens, I mean, Jim and I both, we've had days where we, we have a tablet, which is like our, our scripts and the tablets haven't worked and we don't have prompter or, you know, so the same issues that we have in-house because things malfunction in the station as well. We're having them at home. And my favorite line is I'm really familiar with the words. We'll be right back. And if something's not working, <laughs> I don't care where in the show we're going, you know, what's next. We're going to take a commercial break and we will regroup and we'll be back with you in a moment. Luckily I have not had to pull it out just yet um, at a time where it's not scheduled. So that's been a good thing. We've been able to work through the, the issues and the troubleshooting, but uh, the technical side of it has been the biggest hurdle, right, just right. making it work, getting the lighting right. You know, I, our marketing director called me one day and he's like, okay, let's work on these lights. And he's like, do you have this? And do you have that? I'm like, I don't have any of that. I have right. one light on the stand, <laughs> one for background, and that is it. So it's, it's been interesting, but we've managed, you know, what we thought might have been impossible. We now recognize that we're very capable of. Um, so these many weeks in where my, I had this tone of panic in, within myself for the first couple of weeks has, has now calmed down. Um, and now we're, you know, it's just what we do. Right. I miss seeing people. I love my children, but it would be nice to engage and interact with some other people at this point. Adult people. Adult people. Like, please. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Jim and I, like, he's my neighbor. And throughout my entire day at work, where our desks are, we're right next to each other. We stand next to each other. Um, And so I, you know, now it's like we send a text and we'll make a call here or there and when the camera comes on and we see each other on the grid, it's like, hey, you know, how was your weekend and how's your family? Where it was, we took for granted how much we knew about each other's lives um, outside of news. And then in working together to get our newscast on the air and get the stories written, I could just turn my head and talk to him about, hey, let's brainstorm through this and let's figure this out. And now we're doing it, you know, on a laptop and we're typing and sending messages to each other and it's working. I mean, it is, we get a newscast on the air, but I miss the engagement, mm-hmm. you know, um, he's my TV husband. Right. And we've just been apart. Even when we were in the studio on opposite ends at first, when we first started social distancing, that was weird for us. And now we're totally separated like everybody else is. Um, and that's, you know, we, we're broadcasting from home, but we have the same hurdles and hiccups and wants and missing and want to see and want to hang out and talk to as everybody else in whatever industry you're in. Um, the people you see every day and you spend majority of your days with, you know, in the working world, you spend most of your day at work and the people who are there, you know, we, we miss them. We really do. Well, there's a connection. Jim is known for really good hair. So is there any sort of an office pool going on how long he can last? Well, it's funny. I noticed on his Instagram, I think it was Friday night after the news. He obviously, you know, he's always quaffed and air ready. And I guess he could just kind of put his hands in his hair and it was like standing up. 
Um, and he posted a picture on Instagram. And we laugh because Jim has naturally curly hair. But when it's short, it's straighter. And so I'm like, oh, James, all of Acadian is going to know really soon that you have these big curly locks. Because he used to wear it long when he was in college. And it was these big curls. And I'm like, oh, coming back. Get ready. (laughs) All of Acadiana is going to know a lot about a lot of people's real hair. (laughs) So true. I've seen a lot of gray lines, some things growing out. I mean, it's happening. Well, and I think that goes back to the advantage you have for not having had a glam squad because you look like yourself. I look at a lot of the national media. They're not looking like themselves. You know, when I first started anchoring, um, I remember sitting in with the general manager and we were talking and I told him, I said, look, I said, the one thing that I can promise you is that I can only give myself. And yes, I wear makeup. Um, I do my, like, I don't, I want you to recognize me in studio. And when you see me at the grocery store, I don't want to be a different person. Um, I think it's just a connection people have, um, because I'm on television, you know, I'm not saying there's anything against hair and makeup and extra and perfect lighting. And we all want to look good, of course, but I don't want when you see me out somewhere and it's like, is that really, that's not what she looks like. You know, nope, this is what you got. <laughs> this is pretty much what you're going to see. Um, and it's like, I think it's just a comfort thing. I think it's a connection that people have with you and they see you and they recognize you. And there's this warmth that um, Acadiana, you know, it's such a great place. And the people here are so genuine and, and so warm and, Marcel, I didn't want to be someone else in front of the TV camera and then step outside and be a different person. So the same conversations that and same things we chuckle about in commercial break when we get those opportunities are the same things I would say off camera as well. Um, Now, there are FCC regulates that we can't use certain language Mm -hmm. that, (laughs) that happens at certain times. So, you know, that's a difference there. But other than that, I really just, you know, I wanted to always maintain the authenticity of being who I am. And, you know, as I'm aging in this in this news world, um, there may come a time when I need a little more. But for right now, it's I'm still there and I'm still comfortable and I want people to be able to be just as comfortable with me as I am with them. Right. You know, and I think that's great, especially in a market of this size. You know, we're a small, big market or a big, small Mm -hmm. market, depending Mm -hmm. on how you see it. And I think when you can be genuine and real, that comes through. Um, So how often do you get hit up by the bigger markets and try to lure you away? How hard is it to stay? There have been a number of times that, um, you know, I've gotten an email or a phone call from other places saying, hey, if you're interested, this is what we have. Let's talk. Have I had conversations? Of course. Right. Um, it's flattering. It is. It's very flattering to know that KTC isn't my only option. However, KTC has been my only choice. Um, it's been a choice to stay here. And it's just something about talking to people and being able to 100% be able to relate to what they're saying. You know, I'm from Opelousas. Um, I went to St. Landry Parish. That's right. I went to school in Baton Rouge and I came back and I haven't had to spend the past almost 16 years here, but early on in my career, when I was reporting, 
you know, you sign a contract and it was for two years and I just knew I would be gone after that two year period. I was 26 years old. And, and then one of our anchors left um, and I had an opportunity to start anchoring. And so I was doing just the six o'clock at that time. I was like, okay, well, I'll do this for another couple of years experience. And then the other female anchor left and we went down to just one solid team, all three newscast. And I got that gig too. So I was like, okay, even then I was like, I'll do that, you know, for another couple of years. And life just kept evolving. Um, I got married and I had the boys and even still, you know, people pack up and move all the time. So it's not like my children or my family has been a hindrance in the in moving or not. It's just, I like it here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do, you know, life's good here. We have the same problems and issues that happen in other places. And, you know, we have the same benefit. Well, not the same. Our, you know, life here is different. Um, so being home, you know, I can't, it's hard. I haven't been able to seem to separate myself from this place, but I think it's helped me in what I do um, Monday through Friday, 2 to 11 now, and being able to understand, you know, when, and not the people who come and work for us from other places across the country, because Jim's from Buffalo originally, but he's, he's an Acadiana boy through and through now, you know, but when he first got here, there were some things he had to figure out. And he also brought with him a different perspective on lots of things too, which also benefited us. So there's that exchange as well. But for me, I just, I love my job. I love where I do it. And I love the people who I do it with and for, and that's just hasn't been something that I've wanted to give up. Not that I couldn't, um, not that I didn't have the ambition to move on and go elsewhere, but life's good. Here. It's a choice. And I think you said that quite clearly. You know, I work in advertising, obviously, in markets across mm-hmm. the country. And I am always amazed what it's like in Acadiana with our TV and radio, specifically, uh, personalities that stay and have mm-hmm. these 10, 20, 30, 40 year careers. It's not like that in other markets. No. Everybody no. else is a stepping stone to the next great opportunity. It is. But we're special and we're different. And I love that yeah. about us. And, you know, we have, it's, it says a lot about trust, you know, um, people aren't very trusting of the media and we get blamed for lots of things that are not our responsibility. Right. Um, but there is a, a, a level of trust there with someone that you have seen and you have known and you have grown with, with, and people have watched my life evolve from just a little 20 something reporter to now I've turned 40 this year and I was pregnant on TV and had my kids there and got married and all of that. So there's this level of connection and trust that people have. And, you know, stepping stones are great. And when you have these goals in life and you go out there and you achieve them. um, But I think when consultants come into us and they come with these grand ideas and they want to tell us about how we should do things and, you know, this is working in this market and this isn't that market. Our people aren't. They might not respond. We can try it. You know, if you're insistent and we we try it, great. But just know that we're dealing with people who are different and we see life differently here. And that's a good thing. You know, that's a wonderful thing. It makes this place what it is. It it 
allows us to be who we are, especially in times like this. Um, there's one thing that we do know when our back is against the wall that people in the Katie Avenue step up to help each other, despite all of our differences and, and disagreements and things that we may not see eye to eye on. What do you say to the people who um, talk about the media, how the media causes these problems <laughs> and the media is so negative? Do you either want to say, you mean the national media, you mean the mainstream media, or do you own that and say, here's how we do it differently? It depends. It depends on the approach of the person. Um, if you are attacking and you are angry and you are just, you know, vengeful and and I'm not entertaining that conversation. Right. However, you know, I will, I'm, they're always very respectful, but that's not something I'm going to engage with because I'm not going to be able to convince you of anything differently. If you come at me and you have a very legitimate, you know, question about what do you do and why did I see this on ABC? And I'm like, well, wait, did you see it on channel three during one of our newscasts or did you see it on a national program? And then we can discuss the difference right. there. You know, we are local media. We talk to people that we can get our hands on every day. I can't touch and I can't get to in an instant um, some of the talking heads and officials that you see on national media. We don't have that capability. What, you're However, not going to the White House press briefings? No, I'm not. No, <laughs> not at all. But when there's a problem in Opelousas or Ville Platte or St. Martinville or wh whatever town or city, those are people that we can drive over, you know, knock on the door and say, hi, you know, we have a few questions. So we do, we often get blamed in the media, this and the media that, and I tell people just plainly, my job is to ask questions and get answers and then present that to you and let you make your own decision. I'm not trying to, um, take my feelings or someone else's feelings and make you feel or believe that same thing. That's not my job. My job is to gather fact as much as I can and present it in a forum, whether it's I'm telling you about it or a reporter has w done what we call packaged it and put it together into a story, whether it's a live chat, whatever the format is, we take that information and deliver it to you and you draw your own conclusion on it. If you have questions about something that we have said or in a way it was presented or why didn't we ask this question, please, by all means, send us an email, call us, send us a social media message, whatever. We're not going to ignore you. Now, some things we, I mean, there are thousands of questions that come in right. um, and we can't get to everything, but we do our best. We try and respond as quickly as possible on whatever format that a viewer sends us a question or an issue or something that they didn't understand and they want to know why we didn't do more and can we find out more. And that's what we do. That's what we're here for. If if we talked about, you know, um, the cow population in Gaynaw and you know that if we said that there was an issue, you know, that there aren't as many as there once were and you know that that's not necessarily true, let us know. And then we can take that story a step further and say, hey, we found this out after our initial report. And here's what we know now about the cow population in Gaydon. Um, So, yeah, we get blamed for a lot <laughs> all the time. But I think people often forget that we're tangible um, local humans, too. So if 
you approach me with, hey, Marcel, can you, you know, let's talk about this or that, then we can really have a legitimate conversation. I think conversation is actually in-person exchange. I know we're not doing much of that right now, but just dialogue and verbal instead of doing it, you know, with your fingers hitting keys on a keyboard and sending in a message. Um, I think it's one of the greatest tools that we have as far as bridging gaps, whether it be just about news coverage, whether it be about race, whether it be about economics, whatever the case may be. I think if people spent a little more time just engaging with one another and understanding that if you leave that conversation and you're still on opposite spectrums for what you believe, that's okay too. You know, that's fine. This this is America and you're allowed to believe what you want to believe. But I think we have to find ways to um, respect our differences and understand that it's okay for someone not to believe what you believe and life still goes on and the world still functions and we can all live in one planet and get through this thing day by day. Right. I think that your brand uh, really has evolved over the years with that approach, how you approach things in that honest, sincere, real, I don't know, I'll find out and I'm going to report the facts kind of way. So when you think back over the career of all the stories you've done, which one do you think was the most defining for you? Oh, there have been so many. Um, I remember one of my first stories that I did. I was probably a week or two on the job and I met this gentleman um, and he was living in a camper with his wife and he had grown up in an orphanage and the orphanage burned and he was having issues. Like he didn't know his social security number and he wasn't sure of his date of birth. And he had so many just issues and he was just functioning in life and he was just desperate for answers. And we connected him um, with like the social security administration locally and they were able to help him fill some gaps of, about his life. He's like, I just don't know much about myself. And I know everything about myself, you know. Um, he, I don't know what happened to him. I don't know where he ended up. But I think about him often just as, you know, one of those early on, hmm, I wonder how he's doing now. Um, during Katrina and Rita, that was another time I was still reporting then and out in the field. And, um, met so many people just trying to get through it, you know? And I remember being at the Cajun Dome um, when it was a shelter and I was outside doing my live shots and had been there all day. I mean, day in and day out of being there, you know, around the clock. Our days were much longer than we were normally used to being at work, but it didn't matter, right? And so I met a woman, um, she just walked over to me and she told me and she said, I need help finding my daughter. She's like, I left New Orleans at thus and so time on thus and so day. And she stayed behind because her dog had just had puppies and she needed to find a place to take the dog and the puppies. And she's like, I have no idea where she is. And this, we sat on a curb outside the Cajun Dome and I wrote down her daughter's name and their address and as much information as I could get about her. And... I went back to the station and every missing person's website that I could find or, you know, find your loved one list that there was circulating at the time, I put this girl on. And I remember going home and, you know, here I am working a 12, 14, 16 hour day at the time. And 
Um, my house was filled with people, friends and family that we had who had come from New Orleans and other areas and were staying with us in Opelousas. I was at my parents at the time. And um, it was just so much, but I could not, I felt like I could not go on unless I helped that lady find her daughter. And all the stories that I had to tell every day, it was, and she told me she was living with a family, a family had taken her in and she gave me the phone number and she's like, please, you know, if you hear anything, just call me. So time goes by and I'm still like any, you know, I'm putting my information for contact just so, you know, and finally, I guess after maybe a week, a week and a half, I happened to call the house to check in and I asked for her and the I guess it was the homeowner and she's like, oh, she's not here. And I told her who it was. And she's like, oh, hi, Marcel. You know, she told us that she talked to you and you two have been engaging. Um, and I'm like, you know, any update for my daughter? And she's like, yes, her daughter's in Houston and she's safe and she's fine. And it was like the biggest burden lifted off of my shoulders. I didn't know this lady. You know, I knew nothing about her daughter, knew nothing about her life. But in that moment, for whatever reason, she stopped me of all people that were out there and all the volunteers. And, you know, there were so many options that she had and she, it was like a beeline for me for whatever reason. And I still remember feeling like I have got to, I cannot move on past this until this lady knows where her daughter is. And, you know, was it my information? I doubt it, but regardless, they were connected and they were reconnected. Um, and that one truly helps me to understand the impact of what we do. You know, day in and day out, we meet people and whether it's, hey, you know, I saw the story about um, the brown water and thus and so, and we've been living with brown water forever and we contacted our water company and now they're making a change. And it's when you talk to people or people respond to you and they let you know, you get caught up in what you do every day, you know, not every story stays here for an extended period of time. It's like, oh, oh, that one. Yes, I do remember. Um, and then there are times that we don't. But when people tell you that you were helpful and you touched them in some way or you gave them the information that they needed to make their lives better, that's when you know what you're doing day in and day out is actually meaningful and positive. I think it says a lot about you that your big stories that have shaped your career are not breaking Watergate, but helping <laughs> no. these individuals make improvements in their individual lives. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have there have been lots of Watergate type stories, sure. and I don't even think those have really stuck with me. Um, they really haven't. You know, there have been so many political stories and, you know, investigations and just all that kind of stuff. And those are good and we need those. And, you know, we need that. We need someone to hold people accountable and that kind of thing. Sure. But at the end of the day, I really, for me, it's all about people, just everyday, hardworking people trying to make it from one day to another, just like now, you know, um, it's hard, you know, luckily, I'm working from home and I still have my job and there are so many people who can't say the same right now. And it's like, okay, well, do we as an entity and a staple in this community do to help those who don't and are who can't go to work right now or whatever the situation is. And it, it just comes down for me 
for me to the everyday human being just living life and trying to do the best at it. Right. And I think that's what local news is about. That's what local media means mm-hmm. to me. It's, it's about people helping people. Right. And so, right. you know, when we talked earlier about when people come at you for the media, <laughs> they're not talking about the effort that's been done here on the ground. They're talking yeah. about faraway people who are making political choices. Right. And, you know, media is media. We all fall under this umbrella, but it's not the same. Um, it really isn't. And I don't, we live in a world where it's like, okay, let's blame somebody. Right. And if we're around, we're the ones you blame. And that's, that's okay. You know, um, we're not very sensitive people. We, our skin is pretty thick. So we understand um, anger and frustration and um, just wanting to get down to it. But make sure that anger is targeted in the right place. You know, there are some things you're mad at me about that I can't do anything about. So when it's time for an election, make sure you make the right choice. And then we will see, you know, there's so many different um, arenas of things that people deal with and they get frustrated about. And we (laughs) media get blamed for when it's really not our doing especially locally nationally that's an entirely different beast um but here at home all we're trying to do is get the questions answered and present the information to you right amy romero says i wish most media and news would retract the things that are misleading well things evolve i will say that sure um what you think you're dealing with on the first day you report it versus what you find out a week in often are different. And um, I don't think the intention is always to mislead. I think it's just as you go and you dig deeper, you realize, oh, this isn't exactly what we thought it was when we started. So, you know, you see the pie and you see the nice crust on top of the pie and then you get down into the pie and you thought it was cherry and then they buried some blueberries under there at the bottom. And it's an entirely different pie than what you thought it was when you looked at it on the surface. And so I think that's just how stories and news evolve sometime through time, whether it be two days later, whether it be two months later, two years later, what we thought we had on day one doesn't always turn out to be the exact same as we continue to follow and keep track of that over time. Yeah. I think the worst is when you think it's chocolate chip and it ends up being oatmeal raisin. Yeah. That's when they tricked you on purpose. I mean, absolutely. Can That's think, exception. I mean, it's fakery. That's what it is. Um, you know, can you think of a, a low point in your career that ended up being positive, but at the time you didn't think it was going to be? Like something ended up having to shift to turn it into something good. Almost a um, failure. Oh, there have been lots of those. Um, there, you know... I can remember as a reporter walking into my news director's office with a story that I had written. And I tell this to reporters now um, because, you know, we get our stories proofed. You put somebody gets another set of eyes on it just to read over it. And in case they think of something that needs to be added or have another question about information, maybe that isn't there, not enough or whatever the case may be. And I was new in my first couple of years and, I walked into my news director's office and I handed him my script to proof. And he looked at it and he read it and then he took it and he tore it in half 
and threw it away. Not ugly. You know, he wasn't ugly about it. He looked at me and he said, so go back and start over and come back to me when you have a story. And I was crushed, right? I was like, okay, well, I thought I had one. (laughs) So let me sit here and look at these sound bites that I have and put something together. And that one hit, that one hit very hard. Um, And I went back, I sat there until I, remember we have a deadline, so I couldn't, you know, I had to get it done quick. It was like, all right, girl, hunker down and figure this out. And I went back into his office with another story and I gave it to him and he was like, okay, you can go edit. Um, And that was a lesson in you think what you presented is often your best, but then when it's torn up and thrown away and you have to start over, you have to grind a little harder to get something else that you may not have thought you were able or capable of doing at the time. And it turns out to be better. Um, I think on the surface, we think, oh, that's good. But I think sometimes you have to dig deeper internally um, and get to it, you know, really see what you're capable of and what you can produce. And that lesson in tearing up that story in my face, not behind my back, (laughs) like he just didn't push it on the side. Like, he tore it in half and threw it away. And it was like, that work was garbage, Marcel, without saying that. <laughs> and it was like, okay, Marcel, you have to level up. You've got to step this game up a bit and get to it. And there are times that I think back on that moment in that office and I'm like, okay, you know, it's easy to get caught up in the every day of life, right? Like, okay, I've written this story, the who, what, when, where, why, how is all there. There's the information. It's fine. It's fine but it's fine enough. Mm-hmm. So it's like, let me go back and rewrite this to make it great. Right. So I had fine, here's great, this is much better and this is what people deserve. So it was very simple. It was a two page story, a package I had written that was thrown into the garbage can and it is a life lesson that has stuck with me throughout my entire career on don't do just enough, do a little better. Right. That first draft is never going to be the final. Never. 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 (laughs) When it is, I mean, even now, there are reporters who come to us and we'll proof their stories and we're like, okay, it's fine. They're like, you can make changes. We're like, no, it's good. Do you make any changes? Like, no word changes? Like, it's a shock to them because normally we're like, wait, hold on, let's change this whole thing up. So let me ask you, when you think about how you grow in your career, what do you do for professional development? Is there journalist camp you go to every summer? What there do you are, do to keep getting better? There, there are camps, you know, there are conferences where journalists get together, whether you are, depends, you know, they have it all, whether you, investigative is your thing or um, they're anchoring conferences, like all kinds of things you can go to. But I think the easiest and most simple way is to find someone whose style you like, um, especially as an anchor, uh, and see what they do and just watch, you know, from the way people toss a commercial break, um, we'll be right back is kind of a, you know, a given, but you often see other people who do it differently and it's a little more clever and it's the same thing. It's just something you never thought of. It's just something you haven't said, Oh, well, I can say this or little things. So a lot of 
I don't watch much TV, um, but I do try here and there. And thank God for the internet and cell phones that I can pull up. Oh, let me see so-and-so's newscast from last night and watch what they did. And, you know, we watch it differently. I probably couldn't tell you four stories in somebody else's newscast, but I can tell you about a camera shot and I can tell you about things they said and transitions and how they made it possible and anchor chat about, you know, it's funny when you can tell who really gets along and who doesn't, you know, they just have to work next to each other. Um, so yeah, they're, you know, they're conferences to go to and we do all of that. We, and locally, even here in Louisiana, we try and keep an eye on other people who we will see out at some of the state conferences and stuff. And hey, I saw your story on thus and so, or we'll call them. Mommy's Hi. Kid time. Yeah, kid time. Kid needs a snack. You can look of course. Okay, give me a few minutes. I'll be with you in just a second. Okay. Okay. He's gonna he's gonna sit right across from me and be quiet because he's gonna know <laughs> that time. I don't forget that he wants a fruity snack. Um. So yeah, I think I watch a lot of other people. Um, just to see what they do and how they do it and how I can incorporate some of that into what I do and still maintain the integrity of being Marcel without losing that and trying to be Robin, you know, Robin Roberts or someone else. Just seeing, oh, she did this and she does that well. Let me try it. And if it doesn't work, then uh, thanks, Robin, you can have it. I don't, <laughs> I don't need that one. <laughs> but, you know, I think that's great. You're making a statement that really, in a lot of ways, recaptures your brand again. You're at the top of your game. You're the top of this market, a market that you don't necessarily choose to leave. And mm -hmm. so, but you're continuing to grow and learn and study and observe and watch people in other markets. And so I, I say that all the time, just because you've gone pro doesn't mean mm -hmm. you stop practicing. Look, I tell reporters that I still get my scripts proofed. When I'm going out or I have a story that's airing or I will, I'll give it to Jim. I'll walk into my news director's office. I'll ask the producer, somebody's going to put their eyes on this. And they're like, you do? And I'm like, yes, true. I'm 16 years in, but I'm not perfect. And I have room to grow. And I never take that for granted that, oh, I don't have to worry about this. You know, it's fine. Nope. Can you please look over this for me <laughs> before I go out on this live shot and make sure that I have nothing missing? Um, so yeah, I, that's, I don't think that matters any arena in professionalism, um, no matter what you do or, um, how often you do it, there's always room to make yourself better. Yeah. Is there one event that you can look back to and say that changed the course that set in motion who I am now in my personal life or my professional life? It's your interview, Either, you pick whichever one you want. Um, yeah, well, I will say when my, before I had the boys, this is personally speaking, before I had my sons, um, I saw the world, but I don't want to say selfishly, but it was very much so a tunnel that I lived in and saw. And there were things that, uh, you know, that doesn't affect me. No big deal. Okay, move on. Um, but then I'm now looking at the world through their eyes and seeing what I know as an adult and what I would like it to look like for my sons. So that obviously changes life on so many different levels. I mean, I don't sleep like I used to either, <laughs> but, but the way I see things and the way 
I work to make things better and um, to change things that I'm not comfortable with. And um, having kids made me just a little more vocal mm-hmm. um, and made my vision broader about lots of things that we we live through and we go through in life. Um, yeah. And then work-wise, oof, um, there's so much <laughs> that has shaped and molded um, Marcel. I remember for me, I started anchoring very early on. I was two years in and that's like unheard of. I, so young. I was 26 and I anchored next to the Hoyt Harris um, who had been in the business as long as I had been alive and had a child my age. And, you know, that was a little intimidating at first, but I remember when I was in my audition period and um, let me rewind a little. First, there was a weekend anchor job that came up and I applied for it and I did not get that position. And I was okay with that. I knew I was less than two years in. It was fine. I just knew what road I wanted to be on. So I did what was necessary to kind of put myself there. Well, I didn't get that job and I was ending, I was nearing the end of my two-year contract. So I was just going to move on. Well, when the primetime slot became available, I didn't apply because I thought there's no way, right? And my news director, the same one who ripped up my story, (laughs) called me in and he's like, why didn't you apply for that? And I'm like, well, clearly I didn't get the weekend gig and nor the morning gig. Like there's no way. And he's like, apply myself. And I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do it. And I did. And I had this audition period and I sat there and I recognized, I knew what I wanted to do, but it was the first time I was able to feel comfortable in the chair, actually. Like, okay, I'm 26. I'm sitting next to a man who's been in this business as long as I've been living, but I can do this. Um, And that, it made me work harder. It made me fight harder. And for the longest, you know, I was, so that was one pivot, but then I, you know, and news anchors are supposed to be sit this certain way, even though we don't sit anymore. But at the time we would sit and your arms are on the desk and you never swivel anything but your neck and your body never moved. And we had a talent coach, the talent team that came in and she's like, girl, can you please move your hands? <laughs> Thank God. Cause I talk with my hands naturally. Right. She's like, it's fine. Marcel, just do what you would normally do change the trajectory (laughs) of who I am as an anchor because I felt like I had to be this stiff, you know, just professional that looked directly into the camera and could not move, you know, at all and stern. And when Jolene told me, Marcel, move your hands, I was like, thank you. Game changer. (laughs) Right. I can be natural and I can be myself. Thank you so much. Changed it for me, totally. What advice would you give to this year's graduates? Uh, oh, um, This year. This year, I have lots of advice. But first, jump. Don't be afraid to jump. Um, don't worry about how you're going to get to the other side. If you happen to fall, get back up, climb up again, and still jump because your jump is going to be different the next try than it was the first time. Like, don't hesitate. Don't wait for the right time. 
Don't wait for the you know right amount of money. Don't wait for don't wait. Just do it. Like forty year old me, if I could go back twenty years and tell myself, girl, don't think twice about that. Just do it. Just do it. Like do not hesitate. I know that we we need things in life. We need shelter and air and food and water and all of that. And yes, make sure you have those things first. But whether it's in your personal life, whether you want to travel or you want to try this or that or learn a new skill or professionally as you set out into either your track to college or if you're a college graduate and you're setting out on your career path, don't let fear hold you back. Just do it while you can. You're young. Um, Life changes as you get older and your responsibilities change and you can't jump you know, you have to really think about it because now your life affects so many other people's. But just get out there and do it. And if you fall, falling is not a failure. Falling is a lesson. And the next time you stand up and you get ready to make that leap again, you will be wiser in how you leap and how you get to the other side. But just do it. Right. What's your pettiest pet peeve? <laughs> Um, I'm learning a lot about myself being home so much. (laughs) Um, one of them, I, a lot of my pet peeves deal with the English language. (laughs) Honestly, um, like my kids would tell you, they cannot say the word. Yeah. Like it drives me crazy. Um, yes, we typically say yes. Um, my pettiest pet peeve, I don't like things that aren't balanced. Like, let's say we have M&Ms or something to that nature. Um, I'm going to (laughs) probably pour out towards the end of the bag. And if they're double of any one color, I have to take that out and eat it first so that I have a balanced bunch in my hand at the end. Um, And I'm like that about little things around here too. Like, nope, that's not scaled. Let's can't have that one. Choose another one or whatever the case may be. So just a little bit OCD. A, a very a tad. You know, I like, yeah, I try and keep it within reason. Like, okay, Marcel, just let that go. It's it's fine. Right. Um, but the, the English thing, the language thing, it's probably my, the thing that gets me when I see the wrong version of there. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Or you. Come on. <laughs> yes. yes, your and your. Oh, I'm right yes. there with you. All right, we are down to our final two cards. Oh boy! So this begins Has the lightning round. Fifty minutes. We're fifty minutes wow. in. I know. Um, so lightning round. I okay. say it. You say the first thing that comes into your mind. Oh God. Okay. Favorite place on earth. Favorite place on earth. Home. Movie you can't turn off. The sound of music. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> TV show. I know you don't watch a lot of TV, but what's your I favorite? I don't watch TV a lot of show? TV. Um, Right now, I'm not watching anything at the moment, but we do have Sunday TV watching that we're, that we do at home. And right now we're watching a different world and it's just, I grew up with it as a kid. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great choice. Favorite book. Ooh. um, Favorite book. Probably The Help. It's like an excellent one. Yeah. While we're on the subject of pies. Right. Um, Favorite podcast. I don't really listen to podcasts. Okay. All right. You may Not need to start. Often. There's a few good ones out there. Yeah. Uh, favorite car? 
Oh, have you ever Cooper. owned? Oh, yeah. Those are so cute. I had a red Mini Cooper, yeah. Nice. My favorite. Favorite musician? Oh, um, well, that's hard, Jackie. Well, like, I know you're from Opelousas, and there's a million great ones. Yes, and there's so many genres of music. Right? And, um, okay, I grew up, my mother's from Detroit, so I grew up on Motown. Oh, yeah. Um, so Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder are probably my two classic go-tos. Those are the right answer to every question that <laughs> anyone could ever ask about music. Favorite sport? Um, I played softball for years, and it's still a part of me that wishes I was still playing softball somewhere. Yeah. Softball. Favorite meal? Of time of day? No, Breakfast. like any meal. Okay. Oh, any so meal? What do you my eat? favorite food. My favorite yes. food is boiled crawfish. But my favorite meal is breakfast. Gotcha. Well, Candy DiMaggio would support that crawfish answer. As <laughs> yes. the self-appointed crawfish <laughs> ambassador, she would say, good job. Uh, favorite leisure activity? Um, these days, I don't know how much leisure it is, but I spend a lot of my time working out. Sure. Um, but leisure, you know, with the kids, us flying a kite or, you know, just kind of hanging out, not worried about time. Um, and we're getting more, that's one thing about quarantine. I know this is lightning round, but that's one thing about being at home that I've, the boys and I, Jay's still at work. Um, he's still seeing patients, but we go out for bike rides far more than we ever would have. If we were still, they were at school, I was in the office. And so that's been really nice. Like finding new things to do with my sons. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, which may have the same answer for the next question, but what's the favorite way you treat yourself? Or treat yourself correctly. Treat my, yeah, treat yourself. Um, <laughs> it depends. Some days it's like, let's go to brunch and grab a mimosa and hang out. And these days I'm missing that, just being around people and the noise of a restaurant. But I long for days when I can just sit still, whether that be with a television show that someone has recommended um, that I watch or just to sit still with my own mind. Like I've been trying to meditate more because I move nonstop. And I'm like, Marcel, you allow yourself a little grace to just be in the moment. If it's five minutes, if it's an hour, just take the moment and just be. Right. Favorite festival? Festival International. Did you do the virtual fest this year? I did. I did some of it. Not as much as I wanted to. We were doing right. some housing projects and stuff, but I did. I did virtual fest, which was great. They did I mean, a great was, job. It was so well done. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, everybody longs to be downtown, but it was for what it for this time and what it was. It was it was really well done. Yeah, we long for everyone to be back downtown. We miss y'all. Yeah, down yeah. Here. it's very weird <laughs> having empty streets. We don't enjoy it so much. No. All right. So this is our final card. These are the okay. famous actor studio questions okay. um, with, you know, the, the recently passed James Lipton. I always yeah. loved watching his show and I thought the questions were so great. So I thought no better way to end this than in tribute to him. Uh, what is your favorite word? Mm. Um, love. Least favorite word. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what turns you on? Um, okay, we've got mine. It's kind of busy. Hi. Hi. This is Gavin. Gavin's hey, Gavin. Hey, Gavin. Gavin, what's your mom's favorite word? 
That's mommy's favorite word. Be nice. <laughs> you don't know okay. mommy's favorite word? Okay, I'm down for it. Love, love, yeah. I think love changes everything. I think so too. Okay, so turns you on. I wasn't going to ask Gavin that because I didn't turns, think he would. He <laughs> turns me on. Um, I like, you know, a good meal, some good music, and good company. Yeah, just a good vibe there. Yeah, that's good stuff. What turns you off? Um, lack of respect and um, a mean spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What sound or noise do you love the most? Oh, my son's laughing. Absolutely. What sound or noise do you hate the most? Ooh, um, probably my son's fighting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would probably, these days, that one. <laughs> All right, now, I don't want to mess up your reputation as a Katie and a sweetheart. Oh, um, but what is your favorite curse word? And you don't have to say the whole thing, but just oh. give us a clue. Um, take your pick. <laughs> it depends on the moment. As I tell people, um, sometimes some things just need to be said with a curse word, right? Absolutely. Like the statement is far more understood mm-hmm. and you get much more clarity um, when you put the right curse word in at the right time. I don't, I can't say I have a favorite, but I will say that I use them all <laughs> some more regularly than others. <laughs> I love that. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? A teacher. Yeah. Well, you're getting to do that right now. Yeah. How's that working out? <laughs> Fine. I don't know what my pupils would say, but. Uh... <laughs> I hope they do teacher evaluations this year. Oh, no, ma'am. That would not be good. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do? But I not like to do. Um, I don't know. Um, what would I not like to do? I'm not very techie, mm-hmm. so I don't know if I would have the patience to deal with too much that dealt with like equipment and technology type stuff. I'm very much so, as my friends call me, an analog girl living in a digital world. Like I think I was the last person on the planet with a flip phone. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I like simplicity. I like things to just be, and I will, technology has made life simpler in a lot of ways, but um, yeah, I don't think I could do too much in tech, too involved in tech. When you do eventually arrive at heaven, hopefully many, many decades from now, well, what do you want to hear God say to you at the pearly gates? Job well done. Good. And I have to say, Marcy, I think this was a job well done. Thank, Thank you, you for spending this hour Thank with us. Thank you. This hour flew by. Well, when you're having fun, it goes fast. Yes, like that was fantastic. Well, thank I mean, you. I appreciate your time. And I appreciate what you do for us every day in the news and keeping us informed and the classy, kind way that you do it. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me to be here. And this is wonderful such a great way to um, just engage people in a time when we need some interaction, even though it's not, you know, human to human, but this is the next best thing. So hats off to you guys for this forum. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And to all of you, thanks for spending this time with us. And please come back uh, this week. We have Monica Rougeau with Elevare on Wednesday. And then Dr. Ryan Cazares on Friday with Scott Icare. And they're going to be talking about what it's like to pivot their businesses during this pandemic and what that's been like for them. And so we hope that you'll join us. Thanks so much.